Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 14 of the Rit Nerds podcast. Today we have Brandon Corey out of Marquette City, Michigan. I think I got that right. <laughs> and uh, he's reached out to us after hearing our last episode and uh, would like to share the uh, line of duty death he was involved in and uh, give some insight to what him and the crew tackled that day so uh we'll start it off Brendan if you uh just give us a little background about yourself how long you've been in the service and um any other uh pertinent information you'd like to add all right thanks again guys for having me on uh, so like you said my name is Brandon Corey I'm from Marquette Michigan up in the UP uh, I've been in the fire service for about 13 and a half years now I did about 10 years on the volunteer side, um, left that department as a lieutenant, and then got hired full-time in Marquette um, just a couple years ago. Um, so just full-time for a couple years. Um, our senior firefighter currently on our shift right now um, and starting to move up in there with different retirements and everything. So I've uh, been a paramedic now for about three years now and EMT for about 12. Um, kind of grew up in the business. Uh, my dad was a volunteer chief for as long as I can remember. Uh, still going now. I think he's almost up to 40, 45 years. Wow. Um, so grew around the fire department. Um, nice. Always kind of knew it was something I wanted to do. Um, always around it, you know, just really enjoyed it. So when I got the opportunity to go to fire academy and, you know, I hopped right on it right out of high school. Nice. Uh, before I went to full-time too, uh, I was on the volunteer department, but I was also on our county rescue team. Um, so it was made up of different firefighters throughout our county here. Uh, it was like a special rescue team. So we did high angle, um, low angle, confined space, trench. Um, but the other thing is we were assigned for most of our county as RIT. Anytime a structure fire went out anywhere in the county that we were signed up for, we would get called to and that was our job. And that was the department I was on during the line of duty death. Can you elaborate on, on the county-wide writ? Um, like, you know, would you guys have four-man team, six-man team, and, you know, about how far uh, out did you guys go for um, distance? Like, how, you know, time-wise, like, would, uh, you know, two counties over, three counties over? Um, so for RIT, we'd only stay in our county. Okay. Um, obviously, if some uh, one of the closer counties would call, we would do it. Um, but even in our county, it'd be sometimes a 30 to 40 minute response from where we are because our county is so huge. Wow. So wow. Well, um, you'd be responding. You'd respond specifically as RIT, even 30 minutes out kind of thing? To, to stop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how it was set up. I'm trying to work on getting more departments um, trained up and everything in our county right now to lessen that, or at least get everyone trained to the level that if something go does go down in that minutes that they're responding, at least they have the tools to start the process at least. Yeah, nice. Good for you. So what yeah. what training does that uh, you said you got confined space and rope and that what what other stuff did you guys do to to 
be the rep for the county? Um, I don't know exactly how it got started um, that they did it. It was just more, they were kind of the rescue team and all over. Um, we did have one guy um, that was kind of in charge of our training. Um, so we did a lot of in-house stuff Nice in that. And uh, that's kind of how I really got into RIT before. You know, line of duty death happened, and obviously it's been like tenfold since then. Right. Just, um, so worked with him a lot. We just did a lot of in in house training for that. That's awesome. And then as for our team, you know, again, we we're it was kind of like a volunteer department, so we'd always try to have at least four. Um, but sometimes it'd be three to when we first got there, and then. As people showed up, we would start adding people. Right on. Yeah, we, I, I do. I do most of my my. Um, I don't want to call it writ work because we've only had a couple of close calls um, compared to like actually being put into play on the fire ground. Um, but that's at my volunteer uh, side as well. I mean, we do it somewhat on my paid department, um, but we're very heavily active like like you guys are you know we don't have a county system essentially but we have our mutual aid policies where we're, we're hitting three to four towns you know once a month twice a month you know mm -hmm. just for uh for writ activation not activation but call to the scene you know so yes um we did we did we were what you were you know three to four guys and now we're up to um six guys and then we have a sir um a truck that uh, also comes from the other house in town. So they bring three to four guys, depending on who shows up too. So we kind of, we've stacked a deck in our favor, hopefully if we right. ever have to use it. Yeah. And then currently at Marquette, um, we're automatic aid writ for our two surrounding townships. So anytime they get a structure fire, we're called, we're sending four right away um, in a, pickup truck that we kind of designated as our writ truck um okay. going right there right away so nice. you know, we're, we're, that's been going on for a couple of years now we're still you know fine-tuning things um trying to figure out how we can get a couple more there if we need um but we're a smaller full-time department so when we take four of us off of the shift that we have because we only have two houses that's you know half or over half of our people right there. So we got to try to get more people coming back on callbacks and stuff to fill the station too. So, yeah, but it's a process. At least we're, we're started. We have started it and everything and at least thinking about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's always, right. It's always another building block, right? You're always adding another piece mm -hmm. of the puzzle or you're fine tuning what you have and, and, and see what you could incorporate it to either make it better for you or more efficient on the fire ground. So, I mean, Yep. You know, we constantly reevaluate what we're doing, if it's it's working or if it needs to change. So good for you guys. Mm -hmm. but, all right. So you want to jump in and uh, kind of give us the lay of the land, how the day was and uh, how the incident started and all that. Yeah. Uh, so it was back in March of 2020. Um. It was later at night, uh, got dispatched out to a township that was about 25, 30 minutes away from our station. Um, got called out for a structure fire. It was on the old Air Force Base. 
in one of the duplex um, officer buildings that they had out there for when it was an actual Air Force base. Um, so we got in route. Uh, I believe we had five or six that night um, headed up that way. Uh, while we were in route, we got updated that their first truck got on scene, uh, confirmed a fully involved structure fire, and that everyone was out of the house. Um, so as the RIT team, we kind of started talking a little bit, thinking, all right, fully involved, probably not sending anyone in, going to be, you know, setting up more for defensive tactics, but, you know, still setting up RIT as needed. Um, so we get there, uh, they had a decent amount of trucks on there. So we had to park on the opposite end of the block, walk in a little bit. Uh, we just grabbed our basic tools, um, started to head that way. Uh, and we, when we're walking up, I mean, you could see the flames from the other side of the block, you know, kind of more confirming that, all right, probably defensive tactics going in. Um, so we get up there, um, start meeting with their assistant chief and chief um, as their ICs. They had one on the A side and then one on the B side too. And when we're talking to them, we kind of see that there's some hose lines going in the house. Um, so right away, I started talking to their assistant chief that was on the B side, kind of by that door. I'm like, hey, you guys got people in here? He's like, yeah, we got two in there right now, all that. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, so getting more information from him, the rest of my team shows up. Uh, we start talking, um, sending one of our guys to start doing a 360 as a couple of us gather more information of you know, where everyone's at. So they had some people on the seaside, on the outside spraying water. So just trying to get a lay of the land, um, lay out of the scene. Um, at that point, uh, the two guys that were in the house uh, came out because they were running out on air. Um, so talk to them, kind of get a layout of what the house is inside, what the fire conditions are. Um, they are talking about that. At that point, um, Captain Ben Lauren, uh, he came up to me, um, known him for a long time. Our two dads were on the volunteer sides together for years. Um, always ran into him when our dads would bring us as kids to different trainings or different things. So known for quite a while, got to talking to him. Uh, he was already in there once down in the basement. So again, just getting a little bit of information from him and his partner. Um, his partner comes up, uh, they head in. Uh, so they go in a door on the B side, uh, and it was kind of like a split level. Um, so when you went in, uh, you went right into the living room. A little past that was the kitchen. And right off the living room was split stairs. About five or six would go upstairs to the living quarters, all the bedrooms, and some would go down to the basement so that all the rooms are right above the basement. Uh, so they go there. I'm kind of watching them. The whole backside on the seaside already burned through the roof going um looking at the structure and everything with them in there nothing's burning over them yet um they're on a concrete slab so not worried about fire coming over them or under them because uh, it was in the basement at some point so i'm not worried about it burning underneath them because it's concrete so kind of okay with them you know sitting there talking with their chief because you think about maybe pulling them out at one point um and all that uh, so then I started, you know, just letting the assistant chief know we're going to go finish our 360 with our other guy. And when I turned my head to talk to him and turned back one more time to look at that door where they're at, um, both Ben and his partner weren't standing there anymore. So I kind of took a double take and I saw that the hose actually went up those stairs to 
uh, where the bedrooms were. I was like, all right, I'm still going to go do my 360. Just started to turn around and start walking from um, the B side to the BC side and um, heard their assistant chief uh, hit up his mic and say, Ben, go again. And, you know, didn't really hit me at first. And I heard him do it again. You know, the hairs on your back of your neck kind of stand up when the chief's trying to talk to someone and not coming back. Um, so me and one of my partners kind of stopped and his partner came running down to the, the stairs into the front door screaming for help that they had a mayday. Um, so just with like our training, we didn't even think about it, you know, dropped onto our knee, got our masks on, everything, made it right into the building. Um, and to him, from the time his partner came out to the time of him uh, with some radio traffic within a minute. Um, so luckily he was, you know, close to the front door, uh, not too far up the stairs. Um, I was the first one to him. So he's at the top of the stairs, kind of facing um, back towards the stairs, um, but he was on an angle a little bit, uh, diagonal a little bit, uh, was about chest height through the floor. Um, so his arms were above the floor and all that. He was wiggling. He did talk to me for a quick second, just said that he was stuck. Um, so going in there, you know, you always see or read people that fall through floors, you know, either they go all the way through the floor or they're able to catch themselves a little bit and just need a little help up. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, reaching around him, seeing if he's stuck on anything. His air pack is above the floor too, kind of resting on there, okay. um, but couldn't like reach his waist belt because that was below the floor. Um, but no debris or anything was around him. So then my other partner right behind me, uh, we grabbed his shoulder straps and we're like, all right, on three, let's lift him up. We should be a nice, easy one. We go and lift him. Doesn't even move, like stuck. Um, it's almost like when he fell, it was like a cork in a wine bottle, just stuck on there. Like you're not moving him and everything. So like, all right. So we, you know, try one more time. Maybe he got snagged on something again, doesn't move. Uh, so I start reaching around, can't get to anything to try to loosen up or anything. Um, can't really get too far around him because the fire's obviously still rolling and everything um, behind him. Uh, so I make entry through the wall next to us um, to try to see if I could sneak that way. Made a hole there and ended up finding out later that that room next to us was actually the room of origin. So it was fully involved. So I could only last, you know, five seconds in there before I had to pop back out. Um, at that point, you know, within there too, uh, one of our third members showed up. Um, we sent him down to the basement to kind of see what's going on there. Um, and thankfully he's like six, six. So very tall go. guy, um, smart, <laughs> smart one to send down there. Yeah. Um, so when he got down there, um, Ben was actually able to stand on his shoulders and try to help push us at that point. And even at that point, when we pulled him up and he kind of pushed, you know, there's there's no movement, like stuck, couldn't move at all. Um, so at that point, Rich was able to reach up and actually reach his waist belt that was underneath the floor. And when we did that, he unbuckled it and you could actually feel some weight, you know, let go a little bit. Um, and at that point too, uh, I kind of felt Ben go a little limp, you know, in my arm. So I always had one arm around him. Um, so I looked at him, eyes were closed, 
couldn't tell if he was breathing or not. Um, so I hit that purge valve, got that going for him right away. Um, at that point, we tried to lift him up one more time, uh, still nothing. So me and my partner kind of looked at each other and said, well, if he can't come up, let's try to send him down. Um, so we got in position, uh, let Rich know. Uh, we sent one more guy down there just to kind of help him. Um, so we started, you know, pushing on Ben to send him down. And even that was a struggle um, just because the hole was so small and the gear and everything. Um, actually, the we had to push him through and his jacket ended up coming off, his helmet, mask, um, all that stuff. So we got to the basement. Um, all he had on was his shirt underneath his jacket, his boots and his bunkers. Um, so at that point, uh, Rich and the other guy uh, started getting him to the basement stairs, um, started getting up to the stairs. I met them at the top of the stairs. They got him up. Uh, I went to go grab to help pull him the rest of the way, um, kind of grabbed him underneath the shoulder. Um, I went to go move. And at that point, with all the adrenaline and everything going on, my body needed a little break for a second. And I couldn't even move. Um, so I had to let him go, call in for another guy and just, you know, take that few second breather, you know, try to calm down a little bit. Um, they got him out, got him on a backboard, um, started to get him onto the cot and out to their ambulance. Um, so the department that he was on, they have a limited advanced life support ambulance that always goes to all their calls. Um, so they had a couple people staffing it there. Uh, one advanced EMT and uh, two basic EMTs. Uh, when when we were going to the call or up to the house, I looked over to see who was just working it. Um, the advanced EMT had been there at least 30 years. She's been there as long as I've known that department. Um, they had one guy that just finished EMT basic like a year ago and one that just finished like three months ago. Um, so knowing that, uh, me being the only paramedic on scene, I started ripping off all my fire gear and looked at uh, my operations chief on the rescue unit, who happened to be my dad also, um, looked at him and I said, dad, take my stuff. I'm getting on the ambulance. Um, you know, I'm going to start doing that stuff. Uh, we did have ALS coming our way already, um, but they're still a few minutes out. Uh, so we got him in the rig. Um, got him started hooked up to the monitor, uh, confirmed he was in cardiac arrest. Um, so we started some chest compressions. We got an airway in, IV going, uh, fluids running, and started going to the hospital or meeting up with ALS. Uh, one thing with their ambulance too, they're the only ambulance in our whole county that has a Lucas device. Um, so we got that on them, everything. Um, a couple minutes after that, met up with our paramedics from our hospital. Um, he hopped on, uh, gave him another brief, you know, overlay of what happened. Uh, he just went right to intubation, still had Lucas device. Um, he threw me the drug box. I started dumping, you know, everything in the drug box that we had, um, our normal stuff. Um, anything I could think of that might help him out through him some B50, you know, I didn't know if his blood sugar was low just from when he was working or something. Um, we treated him for crush injury, called the ER doc. I mean, we literally threw everything we could think of um, at him just to try to see if something would work. Um, it was probably about 45 minutes to an hour 
uh, from when we got him into the ambulance at this point, I would say, um, looked at the paramedic. He kind of gave me that look like, hey, it's probably time if all the stuff that we've done hasn't worked, um, but I'm with you if you want to keep going for a little bit, but it's probably time to call it at this point. Um, probably the hardest thing I had to do, um, but looked at him and kind of nodded like, yeah, it's, it's probably time. Um, and then I looked at him, I said, if we want to call it, I'm not going to call it unless his, you know, family's okay with it too. Cause I'll, you know, stay here for one of my brothers as long as I have to, to try to make it come back. Um, talk to his dad, talk to the doctor. Um, we all agreed. Um, so at that point, uh, unfortunately everything we did, uh, did not come up with the right outcome we wanted. And Ben had passed away at that point. Yeah, man, that's, uh, that's pretty heavy, especially uh, being in the back of the ambulance there after just going through all the physical exertion you guys did. And, uh, you know, you following all the rules of, uh, hey, let's start working our path down the, uh, you know, the trauma, the cardiac, the, uh, you know, the D50 and all that. So, wow. Mm -hmm. So, and then when I, obviously after this, I'd, just helped me with the process too. started looking more into it and everything. And, um, we got the times from our dispatch here for the radio traffic to see, you know, how long and everything Because the next day, some people are reaching out to me and they're always like, Hey, how long are you guys in there? Do you think I'm like, I can't tell you at this point, time almost stops. I said, I don't know, 15 minutes to a half hour. You know, I, I can't really tell. And one of the guys that actually worked at dispatch and was working that night when he reached out to me, said, you guys were in there for just around nine minutes. Um, that was nine, nine minutes from you entering to removal from the structure. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty, yeah. pretty that's, quick, especially that's from, pretty quick. from what it sounded yeah. like you guys encountered inside initially, whether, you know, where you couldn't go up and going down was just as hard. Yeah, I, I was like, I, I don't believe you because it didn't feel like that. Um, but he got me the printouts of it and the, you know, audio of it. And he's like, here, I, I wasn't lying to you. And it was right around nine minutes. So you had active fire on the floor where he had fallen through. Was there fire in the basement as well when, when he had gone, when you ended up pushing down through? Was there also fire in the basement? Um. Our guy that was down there said there was a little bit, but not, not much. Yeah. Um, just coming through probably one of the, a little hole in one of the corners or something, but right. um, nothing major down there. Mm. Wow, man. It's, uh... mm -hmm. And then when uh, we went back after, you know, kind of just to look at the hole, and everything to again kind of grasp my head around it a little bit and it was you know perfect hole 14 inches on center like your normal floor joist and everything um doesn't really make sense how a 13 inch boot can fall through a 14 inch hole diagonal but um just one of those weird things of yeah. right place wrong time yeah so was it 
it was it the sheeting had given out the joists were still good he, he had gone through the sheeting and the joists held yeah so the joists held they had a little bit of charring um but all the floor around it was still solid too like it was just that little hole um that burnt through because after we pulled them you know the first or second time that's what i was thinking i'm like well if this part of the floor is compromised the rest probably should be so i started banging on it and it was you know solid as could be so it was just that hole right there um, and i ended up uh, june of last year i went down to a ul boot camp in columbus ohio and when i was down there i was able fortunate enough to talk about this a little bit uh with the ul guys um asked them if i could talk to them because again just had some questions about it and everything um so kind of talked to them showed them some pictures and Dan from UL was able to kind of sit there and was like, yeah, I think I kind of figured out what happened. I'm like, well, please share. Um, so we're at the top of the stairs um, to the left was that room of origin like I talked about. Um, so he thinks because that window ended up blowing out, there was the hole in the roof in the back, plus the opening of the door that you had all these, you know, intakes coming on this one spot and trying to go out the big hole in the roof that it just created a superheated source right in that spot. So it was almost right outside that door. And it was just kind of whirlwind right there and just weakened that one spot, they think. Wow. Hmm. And that's how it got only that small hole and everything, not the whole floor. Wow, though, that, that can just change order of our regular conventional thought of fire. You can get these funny little little things like that mm -hmm. it's like we had a guy on here and a buddy of mine james when he went through the floor it was the floor being compromised by a fire in a mattress that had just like vent limited enough that it burned down through the floor rather than burning up which is one of the things that helped them because when we went through the floor there wasn't fire in the basement when his mask and everything was ripped off but again mm -hmm. it's just weird stuff happens right it's yep yeah how many guys did you have on the team uh when you went in i'm sorry if you said it and i just don't recall um so we had three when the kind of right there when the mayday came in okay um, our fourth was our driver for that night and he was still getting his stuff on um we had another guy that had showed up almost the same time but in his pov but he parked on the other side so they were still both coming at that time. So we originally had three, like I said, my dad as our officer, he was our IC outside the whole time. Right. And the two of you went in initially and it was your, your driver, the big guy, the six foot six guy went downstairs. No, um, he was the one that was originally starting the 360 when we first kind of got there. Oh, okay. um, our driver didn't really make it till, uh, we were just starting to pull them up from the basement. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, sometimes we, when we have these discussions that, uh, you know, Ritzy, they're doing something where they're throwing ladders or doing a 360 and how long does it take them to get inside to actually make contact with that down firefighter? I mean, like you said, it's a, it was a split level. So it's a few stairs up and kind of down the hall, a, a hair, you know, so you guys were there pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was within 
first 10 or 15 minutes we were on scene that it happened. So, yeah. Did, did he go in with a fresh bottle when, when uh, you guys were deployed or was he already inside working previously? No. Um, so, well, he was in once previously, um, but came out, switched out bottles and that was a second time going in. Okay. But him and his partner both had fresh bottles and it was probably three to five minutes that he went in that this happened. Yeah. Right. So he had plenty of air. Yeah. I'm just going through the things in my head, you know, you know, say he had the, you know, a few minutes in the bottle, you almost times that by two for the work effort. And then, you know, how long it took you guys to get in there. And I'm just trying to put all these thoughts we've had or, or discussions we've had in previous episodes of, you know, what actually will happen. And it's, it's, it's interesting because mm -hmm. it, some of the stuff, other guys have talked about on here it's not the conventional way we think it's going to happen or the way it goes down right. or the way it's rectified mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah and then so we got his autopsy back you know some point after and everything and uh the cause of death was pulmonary edema from mm. traumatic asphyxiation so um we're guessing obviously the hole was so small pushing and how the SCBA was kind of pushed up from the back and the belt was underneath kind of pressing against them and just eventually just kind of squeezed them too tight. Right. Right. So that's what I've always asked, you know, same thing. Did he run out of air, all this stuff? And like, nope, went in with fresh bottle, had good air. Um, you know, gear wasn't messed up. Mask was still good. Regular was still working. Uh, right. Even when they did their, our, my OSHA and everything did their investigation, you know, it was all in good working order. Um, no malfunctions there or anything. Um, the only damage he had to his jacket uh, was he did have one rip through it, but we're guessing it just happened when we sent him through the floor. Mm -hmm. And then his pants were obviously cut when, I got him in the back and had to cut him off when we started doing all the stuff in the back of the air, but you know, yeah. wasn't, wasn't anything to do with his gear or anything. How, right. how many people were on scene at the point of the mayday? Like how many people were working the scene? You had the two inside on the line and mm -hmm. you had three on red. Mm -hmm. There's probably around, there was three departments, I think on scene at that point. Um, so I'd probably say around 20 to 30 total okay. between everyone. Were um, they the only crew? Oh, you said there were some crews operating lines on the Charlie. Were they the only crew interior at that time? Yep. They were the only crew interior. Okay. Um, so, cause at first two, when we first started getting there and try to pull them, um, they had a couple guys, um, can't remember if it was from their department or kind of mixed, um, that just rushed in right behind us because obviously they want to help too yeah. um but they started grabbing me and my partner when we would pull and they would pull well they're actually kind of you know working against us because we didn't right. know that they were there um so eventually my dad finally saw that and pulled them out um you know then let us just go to work and everything so but totally get why they obviously want to come in and try to help and 
I remember when we got to the got him to the top of the stairs and I just couldn't go anymore. Kind of looked there and it just was a sea of people. So yeah. I'll just at the door, like getting ready to come and help and everything. So um, once we got him to that one point, we know we had more than enough hands to get him on the backboard, get him on the cot and get him to the ambulance very quickly. Kudos to you for recognizing that you needed to uh, yeah. sim off to a fresher person to uh, facilitate the rescue cell. Yeah. Like I said, I just, you know, try to move and body's like, nope, you just need a second. Yeah. Um, you know, it just, I'm going over all the stuff that you, you brought up and, and, you know, I'm thinking about it in nine minutes, like it, you guys were making some moves in there. It sounds like to be that fast. It's, it's, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're, you're, like you said, you breached a wall to try to make better, you know, better assessment of what you guys could do and sending somebody downstairs and, and then extricating him under nine minutes. That's, that's very impressive um, to yeah. say the least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, can't thank enough for, you know, the couple of guys I had with me, you know, they, they were on the job a lot longer than I, you know, have, you know, they, they taught me a lot through, you know, the business and everything and all that. So I couldn't ask for two other guys to be with me that night. Um, right. Especially the one that was right with me. I, I said, we were doing a lot of stuff coming up with ideas, but we barely had to say, you know, four words to each other. We just, you know, got to work and to kind of just play off each other and, um, kind of knew where everyone was going at at the same time so it was that's good that great yeah. with me. that's good right having that that ability that training and, and ability with each other to problem solve like that I mean you guys were definitely doing a lot of that going on by the sounds of it right you can go mm -hmm. to plan b c d e right right yeah yeah, you definitely. It's it's nice that when you when you have those guys, you know, the 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 team when the team shows up, it's 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 a good thing, you know. You you got those guys you can rely on without really having to say anything or think about it, and and they just work. Mm -hmm. So, um, I am kind of curious though. What did you use to cut his pants off in the ambulance? Drama shears or? Yeah, drama shears. Okay. Yeah, because I've had situations where we have had to cut some pants before, and the trauma shears we have, they're probably just crappy, but <laughs> they uh, we've had some issues cutting pants off before. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the easiest time cutting oh, I can pants, imagine. but I kind of got past the reflective and kind of just chucked them and started ripping them at that point. So right. just trying to get the lower leg open so I could get the I.O. Um, so mm -hmm. luckily I didn't have to cut too much, but still was a chore. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard, heard when James, they tried to cut his off, he ended up just taking them off. Yeah. And he went through the floor because our ambulance is separate from fire here in the province of British Columbia. And uh, when my buddy fell through, he fell through the floor, three broken vertebrae and busted his knee. And unfortunately, he was in the back of the ambulance. They started trying to cut it off and the shears wouldn't cut. So he had to... Uh, he had to remove all of his gear with three broken vertebrae in the back of the ambulance. <laughs> well, I, I, I yeah. guess the adrenaline is uh, an overdrive yeah. at that point, so he might yeah. not have felt that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. 
Brandon, is there anything you guys changed in the department or any any uh, particulars of maybe trainings or SOPs, SOGs or something that after this incident? Um, nothing really has changed a whole lot with, you know, SOPs and all that. Um, we are right now trying to look at even how to better it as a county, right. um, as a whole and everything. Um as for training, um, definitely out there training. Um, so I'm not on that department anymore now with being on the city, um, but I'm still with them for training and all that. Um, so we definitely hit it, you know, a lot more than we did before, um, kind of getting more realistic with it. I guess you want to say with, you know, using more real firefighters, um, you know, getting them amped up more and all that stuff. Um, so stuff like that, um, me personally, like I said before, you know, I was really into RIT when I first got in, always been something I've been interested in, um, but after this incident, you know, I even been diving in deeper and deeper with it too, um, yeah. you know, constantly keeping up with stuff, finding different trainings all over, um, you know, it's almost an addiction now that, you know, um, yeah, <laughs> kind of, fair enough, right? Is there um, any just trying to make sure I know everything that is to know and be the best at it and yeah there's no so there's no worse feeling than showing up to a call and and uh thinking I haven't seen this before or being taught this before right and having to deal with it on the fly that's for sure mm -hmm. being prepared is is huge I, I totally understand that uh mindset I, I never want to show up to something and see it for the first time um was there anything since you've been doing your training that were kind of aha moments for you looking back where or any techniques or things that you value more from that experience that uh maybe you didn't before you know what i mean yeah um so before I started going to more of these trainings around, you know, the Midwest and all that stuff, um, just kind of updating our tactics, really, you know, up here a lot, you know, when I was first getting in their first teaching writ, all that, you know, a lot of webbing and stuff like that, you know, always doing the hasty harnesses and everything. So that's what I grew up kind of knowing, you know, going to these trainings, you know, just use the SCBA that they have, you know, it's already on them let's use it. Obviously in our situation, we didn't have that option, um, but we still did what we did, um, got them out, um, but just some stuff like that, just updating a little bit. Um, also has been helping me with around here that I get to go out to different places, learn a couple of things, but also see where I was teaching at that point to what I'm teaching now is, you know, what these bigger trainings are teaching. So kind of you know, it gives me a little bit of more credibility when I come back here and train that hey, it's just not me saying this stuff. I'm also getting this from other places and everything. So yeah, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing with being able to get out and go and talk to more people and stuff is, you know, just a bit more of that realism. Yeah. A bit more yep. of that realism kind of taken away from the fact that it's not just a rescue Randy kind of thing that we can sometimes have a tendency to, to, to use as our, our, uh, key key factor in writ sometimes mm -hmm. yeah 
I'm in the, I'm yeah. in the same boat as you were, you know, we, we were doing hasty harnesses, you know, five, six years ago, still even like maybe up to three years ago, we were still teaching them in the class until uh, we revamped the program and, and, you know, exactly what you said, you know, you go out to other places and, and see what's going on and you're like, they're doing exactly what we're doing. And, and, you know, seeing the progression of the techniques and skills is, is awesome. And then it's, it's, it, it's justified when, when other people around the country are working on the same aspects, you know? Yeah. So, and then, you know, you get down the rabbit hole, like we're talking about, and you end up on a podcast and, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, we could definitely relate to that aspect because, you know, we still have questions, uh, you know, through this whole, through, you know, you sent the email out to us, you know, with some details there and, you know, through the whole conversation of you, or you, you telling the, your side of the story, you know, I'm thinking about uh, the training sessions we've had where we had put a firefighter through the floor and let the students go at it. And, you know, and I was just kind of taking what you were throwing out there and, and I'm like, wow, we could have did that. Wow. We could have did that, you know? And like, yeah, so it, it's a good, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but it's, it, it's a great learning piece you know mm -hmm. no so. it is and that's why i'm trying to get it out to you know as many people as i can and all that stuff because obviously i didn't get the outcome that i wanted that night but with speaking or getting this out to as many people if i can you know help one person out of all of it you know that'd be awesome exactly yeah man absolutely yeah you know it's it's nice to when people say we won't forget and then the, it, it's really nice to see when when people are coming out hey let's talk about this you know this is what i got and this is what happened so mm -hmm. well and you know, to me too I, it's it's the one way i can still honor them exactly so not being here but you know still go talk about them share his story and you know hopefully be able to give people more tools from his story yeah yeah yeah, thank you so much for sharing with us, man. That's uh, mm -hmm. that's uh, that's not an easy story to tell, I for sure. So, no, um, thank you very much for for being able to share that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, again, you know, thanks for having me on here to be able to share it. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you know both aspects of it too. You know, not only just the rescue, but you know, trying to get him down the road and and do proper care in the back of the ambulance. You know. We, we always don't dive into that aspect on the writ side of it because usually we hand it off to other agencies. So mm -hmm. um, that, mm -hmm. that's definitely a, another point to consider. The prolonged, prolonged rescue at that point. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was actually probably a few months after I got my medic license. And that was actually my first true cardiac arrest as the lone medic course yeah right, right. yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. here's the deep yeah. end no life jacket right have fun yep yeah well that i always joke about it now that's just you know ben giving me one last middle finger so <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah um but thank you for coming on we appreciate uh you telling your story um you know in the future if you ever like to come back on and talk tactics and, and training and, and uh, you know, 
we like to wrestle a little bit with certain items on here and and have some fun with that. We've been down many rabbit holes. Sometimes we don't even end with anything regarding writ operations. <laughs> so no, I think that was our last one. Yeah. I don't know. We just this is a good place just to let off some steam sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I've I think I've watched or listened to every single one of your guys' podcasts so far. So well, we appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so. I'd be more than welcome to come back anytime, talk, you know, tactics, trainings, whatever. Great, Sounds man. good to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for today, folks. Again, we want to thank Brandon for coming out or coming on, I should say, and, and really telling his story. Um, hopefully you all at home could take something away from this. I know I did, and I'm sure Nathan did as well. It's, it's a Absolutely. tremendous story and, uh, thank you very much for sharing it. Yeah. No, thank you guys. Yeah, again thank you. Enough you know, coming on here and sharing his story with you guys. Absolutely. And if um, you're out there doing any training with this or you're sharing this, you know, for an audience or something and you want to get the word out, just don't be afraid to hit one of us up and we could forward it out on Instagram and, and get that information out to help try to get more people to those classes. So. Yeah. I got some trainings coming up here in the state here shortly and all that. So and some other people are reaching out to me. So when I get some stuff, you know, set in stone, I'll get that out to you guys. Awesome. Great. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much again. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys. All right.